0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, September 29th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. Police across the United States have been shown to abuse databases containing sensitive information on the people they're supposed to protect and serve, from tracking down former romantic partners to using that information to stalk and intimidate. Adam Bates, a policy analyst at the Cato Institute, comments. Charleston police have amassed uh, this huge database of people that they've spoken with, and um, they are perhaps interviewed them in relation to a crime, but none of these people uh, or should say a, a large share of these people, the majority of these people are not have not been accused of anything, and yet this database exists, and I'm sure police can find uses for it, but Uh, The police chief in uh, Charleston has basically said he's going to try to find a way to get innocent people off of that uh, database. Is this more widespread than Charleston?
1: Uh, Absolutely. This is a practice. These are called uh, field contacts or field interviews. Uh, And this this is a process that's going on around the United States. So, police departments all across the country uh, have these databases of uh, interactions with people. And as you mentioned, they may be suspects in a crime, they may be witnesses, uh, they may just be people walking down the sidewalk or or sitting on a park bench that that decided to have a conversation with a police officer, uh, not knowing that that the contents of that conversation and what they looked like and who they were was being entered into this uh, police database. And in some instances, such as... uh, Uh, in Charleston. uh, This information is being kept forever. There's no uh, data deletion policy or anything like that. So, it's just this accumulation of data about
0: innocent, uh, law-abiding citizens. Now, this brings to mind, uh, for me at least, the concept of fusion centers, which take information in about potentially merely suspicious people which is then fed in a not particularly well-vetted way into databases that the federal government controls.
1: And the the Fusion Center is... is I would say, even more uh, nefarious, because the fusion centers can get uh, data inputs from all over the place. At least these field contacts, uh, to, de- to pseudo-defend them, are actually police officers going about their business. The fusion center intel can come from anywhere. Uh, so, that's how, when we get freedom of information uh, leaks or requests uh, from the federal government about these fusion centers, you see things like people with Middle Eastern complexions buying pallets of water. and I mean, that, that in some, in a lot of cases, that is the substance that is being recorded on people. Uh, but still, even something as seemingly benign as that uh, is a, a record of where you were, of what you were doing. Uh, it's evidence that you, somebody suspected you of something. If you're an innocent person, there's no reason for the government to be collecting and maintaining this information about you.
0: All right. So where have we seen this kind of data being used?
1: Well, police will say that they use this information all the time in, in routine investigations. So uh, that they they collect this information about people who may live in a certain area, may work at a certain building, and then if a crime happens there, they have this they have access to this record of information. Uh, what we've also seen, uh, and the Associated Press just released a report about uh, horrible abuses of this information, such as stalking uh, ex girlfriends, looking up the addresses of people they interacted with that they thought were attractive. Uh, Just the general kind of harassing and stalking uh, that happens when you have these secret databases of very personal information about people and little to no transparency or accountability.
0: So what should people take away from the fact that this kind of information is uh, being gathered when they make a decision whether or not to talk to police, to assist them in solving, you know, perhaps a very serious crime.
1: Right. So libertarians like to say, and lawyers especially, like to say, don't talk to the police. Usually that's in the context of uh, interrogation or some kind of custodial uh, interaction. But but this is evidence that you should consider whether you should consider not talking to police uh, in much more informal circumstances because, or at least if you do interact with the police, uh, you need to understand that that information could be put in a file and kept... Uh, forever I'm certainly not suggesting that uh, if people have information about a crime that they witnessed or something of that nature they shouldn't go to the police uh, but people should know that the government is actively intentionally accumulating all of this personal information about them
0: regardless of whether they're suspected of any wrongdoing whenever you get pulled over by a cop and at some point in that interaction when the cop has concluded, the purpose of having pulled you over either by writing you a ticket or uh, giving you a stern talking to or um, saying, okay, uh, handing your papers back to you, Uh, the cop will often say something, the effect of, you mind if I look in the trunk? And of course, any attorney or any libertarian will tell you that means you're free to go. But police, in those kinds of interactions, don't uh, care to clarify, except in Ohio, that it actually does mean that you are free to go. It's a fishing expedition, but it's a seamless transition from uh, an interaction that a police officer is allowed to have with you and and an interaction in which the police officer is just Uh, asking for something incriminating on you.
1: So the police will defend these practices, either on the roadside or uh, in these field contacts that we're discussing, by saying, look, uh, police officers are allowed to just come up and talk to you, and as long as that interaction is voluntary, uh, you're voluntarily conveying that information to us. Uh, But as you suggested, the the courts and the police have a little bit different definition of what a voluntary interaction looks like. Nobody, I, I don't think the average American would think, uh, that when that officer hands you your license and registration back and, and keeps talking to you that you are legally free to just drive off well and leave that officer standing in a cloud of dust uh, outside your driver's side window uh, but that's what the law says so and because the police are under almost every circumstance not obligated to tell you that you're free to go uh, it's very useful f- it's a very useful question for people to ask before they interact with the police if they don't want to and they're concerned about whether they have to to just say, uh, am I being detained or am I free to go? And if those are magic words uh, in, the, in the Fourth Amendment field. Uh, so, so, yeah, that's something people should be aware of, that the officer is not required to tell you you're free to go, but you're free to ask him.
0: Adam Bates is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.